This is the Serrano Brothers Podcast. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome back. Jeremy and I took a little bit of a hiatus uh, to do our whiskey and wisdom for the month of December. But now we are back to interviewing We're people back. in the Sarah Pacific Synod. Uh, so today we have Catherine Slaybaugh. Uh, Catherine, welcome, and thanks for agreeing to be interviewed. <laughs> thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here. Right. <laughs> right Catherine, so we want to get to know you a little better, kind of starting off. Um, where are you from? What does your family look like? T- tell us about yourself. Yeah, I was uh, born in Northern California and have lived here most of my life. Um, born in the greater Sacramento area. Parents were born in the greater Sacramento area. Um, all of our family is still in these parts. We moved to Washington for a short stint when I was little, when my dad got his PhD, and then moved right back to Sacramento. Um, so I like to say that I grew up in Davis, spent most of my years there. My parents are still in Davis. Um, and I have an older brother. Uh, I have two parents. My father is a high school band director, and my mom is an elementary school psychologist. Um, so we're big in the public school world and yeah. big in the teaching world. Um, I live with my brother right now. That's a fun, a fun life thing. Um, and we've, we've been close most of our life. Graduated high school, went to college at California Lutheran University in Southern California. Hey, uh. And uh, graduated right in the middle of the pandemic, uh, ripe in 2020. And so kind of entered, entered the working world at a weird time. But life's been good since. Do you? How was you went to CLU? What'd you major in? Uh, I double majored. I have a degree in communications with an emphasis in public relations and advertising, and my other degree is theology and Christian leadership with an emphasis in children, youth, and family ministry. Wait a minute! You have a degree in theology. <laughs> I, I, I I'm going to be a, I'm going to be asking you theology questions here. Then, <laughs> all right, all right. Youth and family ministry? I didn't know. Like practical. Like I feel like I really learned how to do church in the practical sense in the 21st century. Yeah. That that's really cool. But well, before we start talking about church, what are your like outside hobbies? Do you have any out like what are your passions outside of church? Yeah, good question. Um, I was a college athlete and so sports and athletics and being outdoors has, has been a big part of has been a big part of who I am, is a big part of who I am. So this last year I got involved in coaching uh, youth softball, which has been so fun and such a like, such a good way to separate myself from work and from the church world um, and all volunteer. And so I, that takes up a lot of my time. I pour a lot into that. Um, I got into running this past year, kind of needed a hobby and I think everyone in my generation started running and started doing half marathons so jumped on that bandwagon um I like to be outside so anything that's outdoors I like farmers markets I like hikes I like camping um nice. yeah that's, a what, what's that, that's really cool place? what's your favorite place to go camping Ooh. I grew up going up to Lassen and going up north a lot, nice. um, but I also feel really drawn to the redwoods, and I really like like the California coast and the northern coast a lot. So, mm-hmm. yeah, good. And, and, and what age are you are you uh, doing softball? 
Oh, right now and for the last year, it's been ten and eleven year olds. Okay. Oh, so they're cool like fourth age. and fifth grade, and really starting to hone in on uh, like wanting to take sports and softball seriously. Um, and it's like a it's a travel league, so they have to try out, they have to commit. There's tournaments. It's a, it's a little more without it being like their entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's so fun. They don't care about me or how my day at work was or what's going on in my personal life. They just are there to play softball and sometimes that's really nice. You, you totally. are social media savvy. Have you seen the 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 really funny videos of the coach who is it's a it's a guy coach and he's a, a baseball coach and he'll like walk up to the pitching mound <laughs> and he'll be like you're not the worst player on the team, but you better hope the worst player doesn't quit. You know, and he'll just like, he'll like say stuff that are like that. Like, like yeah. he is so you can't funny. can't say that to the 10 year old girl. Of course. Like, tears and right. I'm like, it's okay. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. A little different vibe, but yeah. You know, Catherine, I tried running for a little bit. Uh, like I even did like a 5k once. Uh, and I remember I was jogging, I was doing the 5k down in San Diego and I looked to my left and there was a nun in a full habit (laughs) and she was walking faster than I was jogging. And, and I went, Running is not for me. This is not my. <laughs> this is not my sport. <laughs> I'm not convinced it's for me either. But it's a good. I think after college athletics and after sports, I needed a challenge that was physical, and this was the first thing. So that's cool, dude. You have been a leader in our synod um, since you were in high school. No, right? And how old are you now? Twenty-five. Twenty-five. Since you were in high school. Um, what what kind of led you to to I mean you've been like ten uh, more than ten years now. What, what's yeah. tell us about that? Yeah, I've seen this synod through a lot. <laughs> you have. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. I I went to Mount Cross for the first time when I was confirmation age. Went to Shalom Camp. I didn't grow up really going there. Went there for the first time in seventh grade, and really connected with some of the counselors who you know, went to Lutheran institutions and really saw church differently. And I think that was the first time I had really strong mentors in the church world and it stuck and camp felt special and different and unique. And so I just kept going back and went back for a, for a youth retreat during the year led by the Synod Youth Committee, SPISIC, and then decided to join and, and, like things just kind of kept happening and kept falling into place. Um, yeah, and I, I don't know. It's hard to put to words, but I do, I do feel really drawn to church work. I feel like it's vocational, that it's, it's bigger than just a job. It's bigger than just a passion or an interest. Um, and I'll stick with it until, until it doesn't feel like that anymore. Mm-hmm. I think that's did, a great way of putting it. Yeah. Did you grow up Lutheran? Yeah. Yeah. My, um, Neither of my parents really grew up religious. My dad went to church. His parents dropped him off because that's where you send your kids. Um, my mom didn't grow up religious. But when they were newlyweds, my dad's brother and his wife at the time uh, were planting a ELCA Lutheran church in Elk Grove. And so my parents were church planters. Um, and that was my mom's first experience of church. Um, and she was baptized around the same time that my brother was and then I was baptized in this 
and this new start. I think now it's a synodically authorized worshiping community. That's how you define it. Um, and so I think I, I really respect my parents' foundation of church. It feels feels like they really chose it as adults, and they've always been really open with us. We were required to go through confirmation, and then after that we got to choose, um, and I chose to keep going. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's cool. Do you have any, like, spiritual disciplines that you – practice right now anything that you would consider like a spiritual discipline for you Ooh, St. John's in Sacramento right now and so in our sanctuary we have a whole front section of the sanctuary it's like a kids area it's a kinderum and I often will just sit on the ground during the service and play with the kids or hang out with the kids and I feel so connected to faith and spirituality and what's going on in the church when I do that um so yeah, making sure that, I think for me, um, making sure that I'm not taking church too seriously is like mm. a good spiritual practice. And I think that is a great <laughs> spiritual practice is not taking it too seriously. That's, that's, a, a... it rubs some, it rubs some people the wrong way a lot of the time, but um, <laughs> it's a really good dynamic. I think on our staff in our church right now, we're a very high church. We're a very formal church and um I've been told that sometimes it's helpful to remember that like, it's just church. It's, you know, we can, we can be a little irreverent sometimes. And joyful, right? Like joyful and happy and silly and playful. Like that's part of, that, that needs to be part of church. Yeah. 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 I think that's the big thing that, that feels like a very generational difference a lot of the time. Um, and I think why I connect well with kids and with youth. Um, I'm leading a high school girls group right now. And I I think there's just a way that this generation, like I, I think I'm technically Gen Z, but I feel like I, I kind of sit in the middle of millennials and Gen Z. And a lot of millennials and Gen Z and whatever they're, they're calling this next generation, church is not, ch- church is seven days a week. Church is not just in these four walls. Church is everywhere. It's a part of how we experience the world. And mm. so when we constrain it to just the four walls of a sanctuary and we have to act a certain way, I find that kids often get disconnected. And so the more mm. that we can like break down that barrier and just have it be a part of life and a part of the faith experience, I think kind of opens the doors, lowers the bar of entry a little bit. Mm. So so you, you mentioned that you, you have a small group of, of girls at St. John's. What's your actually like your official role at St. John's? I'm the director of communications here. And tell us what that means. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. I direct the communications and everything that um, has to do with how we communicate, how we message, um, how people hear about the church. So it includes our website management and design, social media, newsletters, bulletins, press releases, media relations, collateral material, like. Um, I'm working on our annual report right now. That's like a 60 page magazine, essentially yeah. with letters and reports and pictures and stats and financials. Um, so everything from as big as that and as big as organizing interviews with the media or crisis management to posting TikToks or posting on Instagram and making sure our website's up to date, things like that. All right, well, we got to talk Instagram because because um, my introduction to you, Catherine, was through my brother, and it was through Spot Pastor Josh. 
Will you? Will yeah, you that was a good one. Will you tell us, uh, like, how did that start? And tell us what that is. I don't know. So, I met I met Josh when I was on the Senate Youth Committee, and he was an adult leader. And you were young. I mean, this was like ten years ago. Uh-huh. You were, yeah, you were kind of baby pastor. Was it your first call at the time? It was my first call. Yeah, first I was call? an associate okay. pastor. Yeah. Yeah. And um, my best friend and I just connected with the adults, I think sometimes more so than we connected with the youth. And so we would hang out with the adults a lot. There were all these kind of young pastors in their 20s and 30s. And the two of us don't take church seriously. And so we were just bonding and poking fun and started. And I think Josh would like fall asleep in meetings and just kind of. He's just one of those like happy go lucky, like, I'm just going to go with the flow. Um, we must have really clung on to that. So we started taking pictures of him without him noticing. And I mean, it was like 2015, 2014. And we started this Instagram account where we would just post these photos of him, like facing off into the abyss or talking with someone. And we would be taking pictures of them. Yeah. I wish I had the login to that. That would be fun oh, to well, it is so much fun, especially when you would get him like an awkward like like facial exp- like at synod assembly and he'd be like and, and nobody would know like why why is this photo coming up and uh, uh spot pastor josh was one of my favorite things and it, it does not surprise me in the least looking back that you have this job now based on spot pastor josh <laughs> when you were 15 years old uh, i helped I, launch your career apparently yeah, yeah. that's why uh, i'll take credit for this uh <laughs> uh, oh that's communications cool. happen quite naturally i never saw it as a career field but it, it makes a lot of sense my personality and interest and yeah, yeah absolutely that that's cool you know st josh is, is uh jared thanks for bringing that up that was hilarious by the way um, uh you know st john's is like a, it's a bigger church right um and you know, do you think there's anything that like smaller churches can do to learn, you know, to up their social media game a little bit? Yeah. So before I worked at St. John's, I worked for the Synod office um, and the kind of the last like six months to a year of me working there, I started kind of consulting with congregations, either in a oh. in a small group sense um, where I would meet with their leadership team or a team of people really interested in communications. Um, or I held these kind of gatherings for online for anyone that was in communications. And I did a few of them. Um, and I targeted those presentations and conversations towards small churches, because that's the majority of the Sierra Pacific Synod. Um, and, and the things that I really clung on to were starting small. So often, like it's, it's rare for a church to have a, a communication staff person that is paid and even part-time, but even even less full-time. I think there's like two or three of us in this whole synod. And so I would encourage them to, um, you know, first do the work of, of thinking about communication strategically. Think about your mission, vision, values. Think about what, what your messaging is, what you want to communicate about who your church is. Think about an audience that you're trying to reach. Um, often we just think about like, oh, I need to start an Instagram account, but we don't know why. We don't know who we're talking to. We don't know what we're going to post. So thinking about the strategic part, thinking about the why and the who is important. Um, and then start small. It's 
it's unrealistic to think that we can that as a volunteer we can manage and consistently post to five different accounts there's always going to be more you can do in communications i don't i feel like there's probably something i'm missing right and probably another platform that i can tap into um or get saint john's on and i'm full-time and so if you're if you're part-time or if you're just volunteer-led start small um i'd recommend like really investing in facebook facebook still to this day um if you just look at statistics, it reaches the widest audience. It reaches the most people. It's the most diverse. Um, and once you get a good system and develop that, I would say, like, think about what's next. Maybe that's maybe that's tapping into Instagram. Maybe that's tapping into media relations a bit more or developing a more robust website or newsletter or something. Um, but really, really do do one thing, do a small thing really well. Mm-hmm. Can, can you walk us through what is that? Um, I, I think that the the most personal is the most universal. So can you, mm-hmm. with what you're talking about, what what is your messaging for St. John's? What is your you know your strategic plan for St. John's? Can you can you tell us some of those things? Yeah, I just finished our 2024 strategic plan for communications. <laughs> ironically, um, the good news about me coming into St. John's is that there was a communications person before me, and she did a lot of foundational work. And the congregation just walked through a new strategic plan, mission, vision, values process. They wrapped it up right in 2022. And so they had a, the congregation has a strong identity of kind of who they are and what they want their message to be. So um, I start with our mission, vision, values. Our mission is living God's love in the world. It's catchy. People know it. It's been around for decades. Um, And then we have five values that we really try to live into. And so once I have the kind of what we are, what's the message we want to go into, then I, I look at some of our target audiences that we're trying to reach. And this isn't target audiences that we're reaching for communication. I ask our council, who are the people that aren't in the pews or aren't online connected to us, um, that aren't part of our community? Who do you want to reach? And so our council and kind of our strategic visioning team established those target audiences and then I took those and said, okay, now how can I communicate to them? Mm. I usually establish goals. So for 2023, I think I had six or seven goals. For this year, I have fewer. Some of those goals translate over, um, but they're a mix of kind of quantitative and qualitative goals. So I want to grow our social media by X amount in this year. Um, or, you know, if you want to go a little more like qualitative, I want, I want people to... Um, embody our values a little bit more or be able to like interpret them a little bit more um, or know them a bit more. There's usually some key challenges that I identify and do a little bit of a kind of current situation analysis. Um, So that's literal screenshots of like our analytics right now uh, Mm. and kind of doing an inventory of what are all the ways that we communicate to people. Um, And when you think about it, we communicate in like so many different ways. I mean, emails, phones, interpersonal communication. Like we forget that, that that is still a way of communicating with people and all the other ways that we've added to the to the table. Um, and then I go into like the strategy part of it. So I take my goals, I take my target audience, and this is where the creativity comes in. And I think about, okay, I want to grow our TikTok presence um, by 20% this year. And I know that one of my target audiences is young people with children. Okay, I know that through research that 
TikTok is predominantly used by people under 40 or people under 50, and especially with that really young kind of millennial Gen Z audience. Uh, okay, so, so that goal and that target audience, I'm gonna focus my energy on that platform. And here's how I'm gonna do it creatively. And so it's a little bit of like putting the puzzle pieces together, um, being creative, and then constantly readjusting. I mean, I, I look at our comm strategy at least once a month and I go back to the drawing board and constantly looking at analytics and seeing like what performed well and why. All right, when you when you talk about your analytics, are you talking about um, the amount of followers you're getting, the amount of views you're getting, the amount of clicks you're getting, or, all, or are you talking about all of those? All of those. I mean, like on our YouTube page, something we really look at is for our live stream services, our concurrent views. So we did some research. Um, we pulled a bunch of people in the summer um, to figure out how many people are watching, right? Like you can see how many people are watching live on something, but how many people are watching on that screen at home? Is it a family oh. of four watching on one screen mm. um, or is it one or two people? And so we've, we've kind of developed some formulas to get a better sense of some of these different analytics that are helpful. I mean, we talk about like attendance at church and how many people are in the pews. That's a really important analytic for us. And we, we didn't know how to quantify the people that are online and still don't fully know, but we have a good guess. Um, and so kind of as, as the church world is rapidly changing and as communications is becoming a bigger part of it, it's important to, to figure out sometimes how to quantify that. And are, as part of that, are you asking the question, why be online rather than in person? And, and, yeah. and, and what has people, what have people told you? Why online instead of in person? Yeah, it's a, it's a mix. Yeah. Uh, I'd say there's a solid group of like 15 to 20 that are homebound members that um, grandkids or young people taught them how to use uh, YouTube and they like it and it's easy. Um, we also have a good chunk of people with young children where it's hard to get them up in the morning. It's hard to get them out of the house. Mm. That's becoming less as um, some of our like education hour programming has, has started back up again. But especially when we first started coming back and in 2022 and 2023, a lot of young families would stay online at home. Um, we have a lot of people that are retired and that travel a lot. And mm -hmm. so often we get people that join us from their family vacations, especially during the summer, um, or people that move away. Uh, St. John's has deep history and deep roots here in Sacramento. And so if someone moves away from Sacramento and still wants to be part of our community in a worshiping sense, they now have that option too. That's, that's really interesting because my, my, I, I've, you know, we, we do online here too. And we, we, we don't have many people who join us online. It's like five or six. Uh, uh, but sometimes I'll get the, you know, Hey, I didn't come to church last Sunday. Uh, Cause I just, I just, I couldn't get dressed. <laughs> Like I just couldn't make it in time, but I wanted to, but I wanted to join worship. And so I did, you know, and, yeah. and, and it's like, sometimes people are just like, I couldn't get out the door this morning, but I joined online and I go, okay, that's good too. You know? And, and they almost say it, uh, as a, like a confession, like, ah, you know, I, yeah. I should have been there in person, but, but I think more and more online is becoming a viable tool 
to integrate yourself into the life of the community, right? And to mm -hmm. stay integrated mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that, you know, if you were like, I just couldn't do it today, there's still an option, you know? Mm -hmm. And 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 I never fault people for not coming, you know? Uh, but but I, I've started to appreciate them going, I still want to be a part of this thing. Uh, I just I just couldn't drive today or something. Yeah. You know? uh, uh, Catherine, do, do you all do anything uh, is is your online worship just a a a video of what happens in the service, or are you all creating specifically an online event? A little bit of both. Um, so we have three pastors here, and if all three pastors are here on a Sunday, one of which is most of the time, one of the pastors is our online pastor, and so they'll sit in their office or sometimes at home and we'll come in a little later and they will be in the chat and moderate and have conversation oh, with cool. people. So there is like a, and, and that people love, we've tried to like plug in other people and people just don't respond. They love to have like a pastoral presence. Um, so that creates some sort of community that is just for the online folk. Um, we have a really wonderful video technician who oversees this, who uh, you know, can send signals out so that our screen in the sanctuary is being seen both online and in person, or sometimes it's just an online thing. But most of the time, it is the experience that you get in the church. Um, and because of our cameras and the way our sanctuary is set up, sometimes you see more online. Like we have a choir loft that's behind. If your sanctuary is facing forward, it's behind with the organ up top. You, it's It's hard to turn around and see what's going on up there. Mm -hmm but people online get a camera angle that sees it very clearly. So sometimes it is a little bit of a different experience. Hmm. What, what, a, what pitfalls do you see churches making with their social media presence? Ooh, pitfalls. I think it's really easy for social media to be a one size fits all. So we create something and we post it to 10 different platforms and ouch, ouch. <laughs> that hurt Catherine that hurt me <laughs> hey you could have told me offline okay <laughs> <laughs> no, this is where it gets back into the like okay if you don't have a full-time staff person or someone right. like yeah you're gonna just click all the options and say go live everywhere <laughs> but this is also why I encourage uh, congregations or people to like you don't have to post on everything it can you can have a really strong presence on one platform and do that yeah. super well depending mm -hmm. on your audience choose the platform wisely um but kind of a one-size-fits-all or um maybe a lack of creativity i see a lot of like you know every sunday it's the same post here come mm -hmm. to worship with us right and there's, I mean, I always post a weekly thing on our social media, right? So there's going to be some, some kind of day-to-day -day thing, but really tap into the creativity, tap into what makes your worship community unique, um, and add personality. I mean, the things that have per performed the best analytically on our social media accounts are things that show the personality of our church and specifically that show the personality of our leadership. When people mm. are choosing a church, so much of that choice comes down to like who are the key leaders who are the people that that are a part of those bigger conversations that drive mission often those are pastors and so like wait times that i can show our pastors being 
normal people or being funny or being unique, people connect with and people love. And it, and it makes it feel like, oh, yeah, this isn't some some church thing that I can't connect with or I can't be in touch with. It's just like, oh, yeah, that's so-and-so, you know? I have to say that I am I am jealous of the ideas that you come up with. Because I like like all of the stuff you're talking about. I want to do those things, but I I just because I'm a part of a small church, I don't have the bandwidth to like. So you're a pastor, yeah. Right? How how do you how do you know what kind of trends to hop on? What kind of like music to use? Like like how do you discern all of that? to, to in, really engage people on the waves that are the internet. Yeah, yeah. Um, I scroll a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, like spending, honestly spending time on the internet. Um, and I will say that a big part of the success of this job specifically that I've not felt in other jobs is that I have really... I have a boss and I have a leadership team that has developed really clear boundaries for me. Mm. So my job is communications. I choose to help out in the high school classroom or lead that high school girls group or chaperone at camp. Like that is a choice that I step into, but my primary role is communications. I've never been in a job where that is the only thing I do. So that's the, that's the first step is like, I have, I have space to just do this every day. Um, I, I scroll, I check in online that has a curse and a blessing, of course. Um, and then I follow people that also do cool stuff. There's like a church in Austin, Texas, somewhere in the South. Um, they're called the well and they, they're on the South. Yeah. Cause they're in a really, they're in the Bible belt. They're in a very conservative area and, um, they have, a really wonderful social media person who just does creative out of the box ideas. Um, and so I learn from what other people are doing and recreate things and yeah. And you're going to post something that totally flops <laughs> and you move on, you know, and forget about it. Yeah. One of the things that I, I really love that you post and I know Jeremy does too, is boomer pastor reads <laughs> Bible Absolutely. translated by Gen Z. Uh, oh like, like that is just, and, and I mean, the, a couple of my favorite parts of that is anytime you hand pastor Frank a piece of paper, he always goes like, this. <laughs> <laughs> like and he plays such a good straight guy, like a, like he, the straight face, oh, he does, yeah. he does such a good straight face and, and he, and, and the way he goes along with it. Uh, and uh, it's almost like, oh, I have to indulge Catherine now in this <laughs> this activity. But it's such it's such a good. It feels like it's such sweet. a great dynamic and sweet yeah. and like and funny. And so, uh, it, I think it yeah. hits the generational points. Uh, keep on tell tell. <laughs> I I just I wouldn't be able to do that stuff. Or I did a funny video with Pastor Amy and Pastor John. That was like the, we're pastors. Of course we, oh, uh, blah, 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 uh, blah, blah, blah. You know, that trend. Um, I would not be able to do that stuff if they weren't so willing. And some days they're not. We have a really good, honest relationship where I'll ask them, hey, do you want to film today? Can I film this thing? Or like, I'll show them my idea. And sometimes they're like, I'm sorry, I'm not feeling it. Or I'm not in a good headspace. And so we've developed some trust. Yeah. Um, but also, especially with Pastor Frank, I think we've just developed a really honest, trustworthy relationship. And he trust that I'm the expert on this 
and I trust that he's the expert on so many things. Um, and that's a, that's a really unique dynamic. Uh, that, 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 the care and the just general respect and, and, and almost love really shows through in, in, in that really sweet video that you do, the videos you do with him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it really is. Why some, people like him. Like, it's some of my it favorite com <laughs> it's some of my favorite content on TikTok. When I see Frank pop up, I'm like, oh, I cannot wait for this. Um <laughs> yeah. That's the perk of, you know, twenty years into your career. Yeah. Right. Just, I think you get to a point where you're like, sure, I'll indulge the young people. Why not? Right. But but that's the that's the cool thing, right? Is because boomer pastor, like we're already kind of going. This is going to be a generational thing, right? <laughs> and like and and it's playing with that generational divide, uh, and and not it's not making it doesn't it never feels like you're making fun of him. It never feels Ooh. that way. It always right. feels like we're in this together and we're going to do this funny thing together. You know, uh, yeah. It, uh, you know, because it could. It, I mean, it, it, done any other way, it could make it feel like you're you're making fun of generate, but it doesn't feel that way. It feels like yeah. everyone's being playful about this thing, and and that's and that's what I think makes that particular thing special because uh, I have seen videos where boomers are making fun of Gen Z and it, it doesn't feel playful it feels kind of mean you know yeah. uh, but but here it's it, it, uh -huh. it does feel like there's a lot of care there and I and I, I appreciate it uh, yeah uh, we had a we've we had a really funny moment where I realized kind of how these videos land it was the first one I posted and we had a council dinner or something that week and all of the council members were like, oh my gosh, that video, you know, so funny. And I asked them, I was like, yeah, where, where'd you guys see it? Cause I posted it, I posted it on, on TikTok and then on like our St. John's TikTok. And then I think I put it on our Instagram story or something. And it was a prime example of communications. I put it on TikTok. One of our high schoolers saw it, sent a link to her mom. Her mom is like mid forties. Her mom posted it on Facebook like the link to the TikTok on Facebook. So then all of the people like 40s, 50s, 60s were like, we saw it on Facebook because so-and-so's mom posted. I had a millennial who said, oh, I saw it on the Instagram story, but none of them actually saw it on TikTok because that's where like the high schoolers and the young adults were, right? So it just, it's a it's a cool reminder of kind of the, oh. the net and how things can kind of land. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and, and also how other people do the work for you of disseminating yeah. all that information, right? Thank God. Like, yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, hey, great. Uh, what should, okay, so we don't have a lot of, we don't have really any more questions for you, but like what else should should we be asking you? Like what else, like what else do you want us to know mm. about you or communications or St. John's or just anything? Mm. I think especially, especially in the synod, St. John's is kind of seen as like the cathedral church, the like the big church in town. And I think if we look at numbers or stats or operating budget or whatever, the thing we look at in a lot of ways, yes, um, we we are kind of the, the big church in our city, and especially in the Sacramento area. We're trying to live into that and be in partnership with people. But what I'm always reminded of, and I think because I came from the Senate office and came from um, a world where I got to worship with a lot of communities and a lot of congregations, um, that there, 
there is no better or worse when it comes to congregation size. And there is no, I, I don't have all the answers for communications. I don't think St. John's is what every church should be or um, that because we are quote unquote, a big church that it is better or more thriving mm. than small churches. Um, and so sometimes I'm reminded of that when we're, like, oh, only 30 people came to this thing. It's like, oh, my gosh, 30 people. Like, what a gift. What a good connection point. Um, and so I, I don't feel like I'm the expert in communications or in, in church stuff in any sense. Um, I'm constantly learning from learning from other and others and learning from other congregations. And, yeah, when it comes to communications, there's a huge margin of error and a huge like you're going to fail. Everything that I do is public. Something I had to learn very early on of like mm. every, everything that I create that I post is public. And so it's going to have a lot of eyes. I'm constantly getting emails about, Oh, you misspelled this. Oh, this date is wrong. Oh, this date, you know? And it's like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to mess up. I'm going to screw up. I'm going to um, need to edit things. But that's the fun part about communications is that you get to like, it's, it's a world where there's so much of it that you get to move on and try again the next day and keep keep creating things, keep doing things. I am so glad you just said that. That Thank you for that, Catherine, because I get that all the time. We're like, oh, you put the wrong date on Facebook. You, you know, because I'm I'm the communications person, right? Like, and, or, oh, the bulletin, this was spelled wrong or your slide was messed up or, you know, and so I get all of that kind of feedback, which I appreciate because I can change it, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and I, I think until you said that I had the wrong mindset of, if I had a communications person, this wouldn't happen. <laughs> no, it's still happening. Right, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've built up a team of editors so that when really important things are being announced, um, I have like five or six eyes that go on it before I do. But the little kind of day-to-day -day stuff, I'm, I'm gonna mess up. Like that's, I'm a human, it's part of, part of life. And hopefully we have grace in the church, right? Right. Yeah, you hope. <laughs> right. Most of all right. So, so we uh, we ask all of our guests the same ten questions uh, at the end of our interviews with them. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. All right. What food could you eat every day? Sushi. What's your favorite movie genre? Comedy. Uh, salty, sweet, or savory? Sweet. In, in addition to the Bible, which book would you take with you on a deserted island? I don't read very often. That's my fatal flaw. Um, probably like a memoir of some really interesting person. What fills your cup? when all of my people from different communities are all in the same room together. Hmm. What depletes your cup? Hmm. Ooh, I don't know. Conflict, maybe? What's your favorite holy place? The Redwood. 
What's a good piece of advice that you've been given? Hmm. My dad often tells me to just get up and keep going, kind of in a tough love sense. Hmm. But that has stuck with me. You have to wake up the next day. You have to go to work. You have to keep going. What does rest look like for you? Mm. Usually exercising. Nice. Mm. And on that last day, uh, when you enter heaven, what do you hope God will say? Mm. I hope it's just like a fun high five. Like, (laughs) yeah! Catherine, it truly has been a pleasure to have you uh, on our podcast. Um, Thank you. Always fun with the brothers. Uh (laughs) This has been the Serrano Brothers Podcast. Thanks for listening.